Well, we're going to wrap up our series called At the Movies, and uh, I'll say again, we're not watching a full movie. We're not watching a movie tonight. We're not watching a movie this afternoon. We're not watching a movie next week. Uh, we're not watching a movie. We're not watching a movie. We're watching a clip from a movie as a tool, just like Jesus did. He didn't watch movies, but he pointed people to things that they would understand and watch, and um, so that he could make a spiritual emphasis out of it. Uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, so thankful for, for last week and for our time together, and just, uh, man, we've got such great people, and, and I'm glad that you're here. But this morning, there's, uh, uh, I'll say it's a heavier topic, but I hope it's one that you understand what, what God is trying to do. And as we look around the world, the world's in a state of chaos and um, division, and people are angry, and people are bitter, and, and, and I understand that it's because of the way of the world, but let, let me just start us up by saying this. As Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to make the effort to not allow our hearts to get hard or callous or cynical to the problems that we see around us, and, and it's too easy to say, well, that's the world, and they deserve it. That's a world that Jesus died for. Those are people that Jesus had compassion on and loves. And if we back up and back away and decide they deserve it and they should, they should get the fullness of everything, then, then it's on us. God has placed his church in a spot here on earth to be the vehicle to move in these times. And the, the theme for this morning is about injustice. And when we see the injustices, and I'm not just talking about causes, there's a bazillion causes out there that usually resonate with some person's heart that starts it. But when we see true injustice, it should move us. It should change how we view things, and we should feel moved upon to at least pray. Maybe we can't go and do, but at least we can pray. But in these last few years, at least in in my sense, I remember it wasn't that long ago that traffic was start, stopped on the Lewis and Clark Bridge over here because somebody was threatening to jump. And the posts that were coming across of people actually stopping and taunting and saying, would you just hurry up and jump? Shame on the world, and it should not come from us. And we have to reel that in, church, because we're just people in the world. But we have to decide that we're going to go by godly values. And we have to determine that we've got to see beyond just the, the big buzz feed. We've got to see beyond just the big hot button issues. Because there's injustice going on and many times in parts of the world that, that we get so wrapped up in what's going on on Twitter or Facebook that we're missing global things that are happening that should break our hearts and make us weep. I think back in the 90s that America was enthralled by a former football star that was accused of murder, and we watched him in a, race down the highway in a, in, a, in a white Bronco, and then all the months of court proceedings that followed, and, and yet all that was going on in the courtroom was, everybody was glued to the TV, and in the meantime, almost a million people in Rwanda were massacred in the mass genocide that we haven't seen and probably will never see that amount again. But all of us were oblivious to it as Americans because we were caught up in what the little local news was. 
And I can only imagine that God's heart was breaking to see lives changed and killed and ruined for generations. And so we have to be very wise in how we do this. There's all kinds of causes, but the Bible does speak about injustice and and what we should do to respond to it. And we may feel powerless, but I'm going to share with you this morning that you're not powerless when it comes to injustice. But we're going to watch this clip here in a second. I'll, I'll key it up for you. We had hoped to do uh, The Magnificent Seven because it's one of my all-time favorite westerns, but I couldn't find the, the clip without uh, pirating it, and so I refused to do that. And so we had to switch to um, The Three Amigos. I'm glad to hear laughs. That means people have actually watched it. But the theme of The Three Amigos is a comedy, uh, but the theme follows almost any Western, which is that an injustice has happened. So in the little town of Santa Poco, an evil bandit named El Guapo has come, and every time he comes through, he steals from this poor town, and he steals, and he shoots up the town, and he robs them, and then he rides off until he comes back the next time, and he, he treats the town very poorly. They're just basically used for him to come and get all his material goods, and then off he goes again, and, and pretty soon, a person in the town rises up and decides, we've had enough, and they send two emissaries out, and, and what they don't know is that they're looking for heroes. They're looking for some men that will have morals and values to come and stop the evil El Guapo. And unfortunately, what she finds is three out-of-work actors <laughs> who have been doing westerns, but they're not actually heroes, but she doesn't know the difference. And she hires them to come down, and, and the part that I want you to understand is that the town comes together, and they offer the three amigos everything, everything they've got. And they think that it's just a time to come down and do an interview for a movie that they're going to produce. And so the wires get crossed. But I want you to understand, and and they're going to do some lines where they begin to talk about injustice. And it's a little bit humorous. But I just want you to know that um, God has a stance on injustice. And we're going to talk about that this morning as well. So if you'd roll that clip. This is it. Ned, big smile, Dusty. Just big smile. relax and have fun with it. Just gonna have fun with it. I'm Lucky Day. I'm Ned Nidolander. I'm Dusty Bottoms, and together we're the Free Amigos. <coughs> of a motherless goat? And who are you? Wherever there is injustice, you will find us. Wherever there is suffering, we'll be there. Blind. Wherever liberty is threatened, you will find us. 
wherever liberty is threatened, you will find the three amigos. Did you notice his little speech? Wherever there's injustice, wherever there's suffering. Well, I want to point you to the Bible this morning. We'll, if you join me in Psalms chapter 82, we're going to read some verses this morning. What you don't know about the rest of that video, if you haven't watched it, is um, the three amigos come to a harsh reality, realize that this is a real event, <laughs> that these are real banditos, and they use real bullets. And then they've got a decision to make. It really, it, it's really this uh, transformational part of the movie where they realize that they're stuck, they're out of work, one of them's been shot, and they've got a decision. We sneak away into the night. Or do we decide to do what we came here to do? And uh, they decide that they're going to step up uh, and do what's, what's needed. And I don't know if you feel this way, but there's times where you see something that moves you deeply, but you feel like you're powerless to do anything about it. You don't know where to start. You don't know how to fix it. Maybe it's even unfixable. But it doesn't mean that you're powerless. And so... Um, as we, as we walk through this this morning, I want to talk a, a little bit about uh, who God is and what he expects of us. So Psalm 82, verses 1 through 4, says this. I want you to know that this is right from God's heart. This is what he says. God presides over heaven's court. He pronounces judgment on the heavenly beings. How long will you hand down unjust decisions by favoring the wicked? Give justice to the poor. And to the orphan, uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute, rescue the poor and the helpless, deliver them from the grasp of evil. Now, this is a psalmist speaking about God and to God, where he was seeing injustice and understanding that God is just, God is righteous, and yet this gives us a glimpse that. Somehow, if we're going to follow the character of God, if we're going to be people that follow God's plan, that we need to be partakers of this as well, even if we feel like we're outnumbered, even if we feel like we're on the wrong side of the equation. Look what he says. First of all, we have to stop with unjust decisions and favoring the wicked. Now, you're thinking, well, I'm not doing that. Maybe. Maybe not, because I would ask you this. Look around our culture today, and who are the biggest heroes? Many times it's villains. Many times it's thugs. Many times it is the wicked. And we've begun to glorify that. We've begun 
to uphold that as a standard of that's what it means to be cool. That's what it means to be however you want to say it. And it sounds like a horrible cliche, and it is, but you know, in, in the short span of my lifetime, we went from heroes like John Wayne to Little Wayne. And that's a big step. We should give justice to the poor. I don't know how you feel about international politics, and we're not going to talk politics, but the reality is regardless of politics, those are people, not things on pages. And sometimes we even forget here in America that every last one of us was immigrants. And I'm not rallying a point one way or another. I'm saying let's see past the politics and see people. Because I'll tell you, I've heard it even being here. I'm not a native to this city. But when I got here, I heard a lot about the highlands. And I hope that we're better than just thinking of an area, but we actually see that there are people. If we're not careful, homeless people become invisible, and we have to see that they're people. If we're not careful, we just see drug addicts, and we need to see that they're people. When you see that person lying on the sidewalk looking like they're passed out, you can either say, oh my gosh, don't they have a place for them? Or you can say, that's somebody's son. And we don't have to know the ins and the outs to be moved with compassion. Maybe they're there by their own free will. But it doesn't mean that we join the group of the calloused and the cold-hearted and say, won't somebody do something about this? See, that's the problem, is we've made everything, even in church, if we're not careful, we make it impersonal and we say, somebody needs to do something. But it's rarely us. And I'm going to end this morning by letting you know there is something you can and should do. And it's not maybe what you think, and it's not a program, and it's not a Facebook page, and it's not a GoFundMe. It is something so simple, and yet I believe so powerful that that we'll get to. Notice that we're supposed to take care of the poor, and we're supposed to take care of the orphans. Those are people that are pretty powerless in the world, and God says that he is even the father to the fatherless. Did you know that? He says that we should be upholding the rights of the oppressed. Think about that. Think of what's happening in other countries. Think of of rights that are being shifted. And and we have to be very careful. There are things going on in the world and, and even our own country that maybe we say, well, those people don't deserve special rights. But there was a time when women didn't have rights. And we're blessed to be able to have those situations corrected, but what about other places where oppression is horrible, where the standard of living is so low, or even the destitute, and and that's even a step below the poor. Those that, they're so poor, they, they can't even pay attention. I mean, they are poor. They are out of it. They have no resources. Notice what he says. We should rescue the poor and the helpless deliver them from the grasp of evil people. And and this is where it may sound like it's just too big for us to grasp, but all you have to do is, is what you can do in that moment for that person. You can't, 
we cannot fix global poverty. We can't. But the people that we see, that we have influence over, we can begin to work in their lives. The people that we know that have the issues, we can begin to work in their lives. The, the, the biggest part is we have to take our eyes off of us and what's easy and put it on to the people that, man, I don't even know a thing about that. I've never been that. But if it moves your heart, maybe it's God trying to get your attention. I heard a phrase at a conference we were recently at, and and it's been resonating in me. Everything changes when it's someone you know. Show of hands this morning. How many of you either have, have had or know somebody that's dealt with cancer? Come on, look around this morning. Look around this morning. Okay, put your hands down. Now, show of hands this morning, how many people were martyred in Egypt this month? We don't know. It's very hard to have a heart after that. But it's easy to march in a cause. It's easy to support and raise funds when you know it was your grandma that had breast cancer. You knew it was your friend. You knew it was your daughter. You knew it was your... And then it's somebody you know. Which leads to that next step, which is that relationship, is whether you know them right now or not, they're a human being worthy of dignity, worthy of our effort to make them better than the spot they're in right now. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? He came to a darkened world and saw our mess and walked through it, making it better as he went. And people loved him for it. And maybe you're in that spot where you're in the destitute and you feel like, I've got no place out. I get it. And I'm not telling you to, to change anything or, or don't care, take care of your personal needs. But what I am telling you is we've got to be very careful to guard our hearts, church, so that we don't become people that don't care anymore. Jesus always walked into the messes while everybody else was walking away. He's called on us to rescue the poor. He said to deliver them from the grasp of evil. Now, again, we can call that out to God, but even then, that's a great place to start. Isaiah 1 and 17 tells us this. Look at this. It sounds almost like something you'd teach uh, Boy Scouts, but what a great remembrance for us as Christians. Look at this. Isaiah 1, 17. Learn to do good. Hey, those of you, I don't know what to do. Learn to do good good. Isn't it funny that he has to tell us to learn to do good? You know why? Because we're already pre-programmed to do bad. (laughs) You know that if you've got kids, they know how to lie. They know how to take. They know how to be selfish. They know how to do all these things. And you didn't have to teach them that stuff. But what happens is you have to train them to be good. Seek justice. Not the easy way, not a superior cause way, not a a growing trend on a social media page. How about we seek seek justice, what God's justice would be. If we'll seek that pure justice, we'll be on the right path. But we have to seek it. All around we can see injustice, but how about if we try to seek justice in the life around us? Help the oppressed. 
Notice that it's not specific. Find a way. What does that mean? Making meals for somebody, mowing their yard, repairing their fence, helping them, talking to them, listening to them, buying them a coffee. How about just finding out their name? Humanizing them, that they're not just the invisible gray mass of people that... And I'm telling you, as, as a pastor, I struggle with this too. I have, to, I have to walk that line between not getting scammed... I mean, you can drive down Ocean Beach on any given day and there's people asking for anything. But I have to make a decision to not refuse to do for anybody just because I can't do it for everybody. But maybe I can do it for one. And so I keep my heart open to, what can I do to help? And sometimes it's just buying them food or, or, the, or a gift card for food instead of giving them money that can be transferred to further their problems. And, but I have to not, if I have to, if I have to say no to one, do I have to say no to everybody? No. Just keep your heart open to, I believe that God can move on us and there's times that he says, hey, you see that person and somehow you noticed them and they've been standing there for three days and you, you didn't see them and this day you saw them and this day you feel compelled to do something. Act on it. Because when you don't, you're hardening your heart. And I've shared this before, but I, I, it, it bears with me again, and, and it's changed my heart and my mind, and I hope that it changes you too. When we were doing youth ministry, we were coming back from a, an incredible retreat with, the, with these teens. We had a van full of kids, and we're excited, and we're coming back, and the kids are pumped up. We've been talking about God being faithful and God working miracles, that God can do anything, and, and we're coming back into town, and we pull up to a stoplight, and, and the, the light turns red, and a a man, I don't know if he had a stroke or was born that way, but he had a bad leg and one arm was all uh, withered up. And he's making his way slowly across the crosswalk. And instantly, I felt, go pray for him. And then my logic kicked in. You've got a van full of kids. You're going to get out of the stoplight and you're going to, what happens if the light turns green and all these people behind you and how are you going to get all the kids back in the van and on and on and on and on and now the light turns green and I thought no harm no foul and we hadn't even make it through the crosswalk and one of the kids in the back said Pastor Tony I think we were supposed to pray for him what would it have done to change those kids if I hadn't talked myself and talked them out of an opportunity to put their faith in action. You see, sometimes that's the greatest injustice that we sat back and did nothing and we could have done something. We might not have been able to fix it or solve it, but we could have done something. We could have just shown the smallest hint of human kindness and we sat back and did Nothing. Defend the cause of the orphans. Fight for the rights of the widows. And, and we really have to deal with this today because everybody's got rights in America. In those days, they didn't. If the widows lost their husband, they were at the bottom of the loop. They lost their livelihood. They lost their voice. They lost their place. And, and they're saying, no, this is not what we do as a church. You know what we do? We take care of people that can't take care of themselves. That's the heart of God. Look at what James tells us. Uh, we're going to New Testament. We moved from 
the history of God and people where he has constantly seen people in bad situations and stepped in to help. Now we find ourselves in the New Testament in the age of grace that we're still in today and, and Jesus has, has been on the scene and he's shown people a new way to do it, shown that he cared. He's the man that touched the lepers and, and took care of the prostitutes and, and sat with the drunks and he's been everywhere and done everything and seen all kinds of people and didn't reject anybody and he did his best to help everybody everywhere from feeding thousands of people at a time from sometimes just healing a woman in a crowd or acknowledging a woman at a well. This is what James tells us, that pure and genuine religion or faith in the sight of God the Father, not in the world, but in the sight of God, means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. And this is the most important part. Read that last part. And refusing to let the world corrupt you. Now we're going to make a big jump here one that my my wife will love. Think Christmas. And one of the most watched and beloved movies that there ever was was Charles Dickens' tale with Ebenezer Scrooge, right? And we see that here's a man that's been hardened, a man of provision, a man that has a store and he's got riches and, and he's, a, he's a Scrooge. He's a, he's a frugal, cheap, mean And when he's faced with the realities of what's going on in the town, he says something like this. I don't have it memorized. When when he's saying all these people that are poor and broken, destitute, and are there no workhouses? Are there no orphanages? Are there no state places? And the person that's trying to collect funds from him says, well, there are, but many of them would rather die than go there. And he says, well, then they better get on with dying. You see, it's not that he couldn't help. It's that he wouldn't help. And we have to choose to not let this world and its value system corrupt us. When the world turns its back and he says, that's not worth our time, that's a hopeless cause, that's a, you can't do anything about that, we have to choose to be people that say, there is something we can do. I might not be able to fix all of it, but there's something I can do. And I don't have any cause to throw out to you this morning. I'm not supporting anything. We're not taking up another offering or a pledge or any of that. I'm just saying we live and work and play in a place where we see the needs of many every day. And if we're not careful, we become immune to it. Or at worst... We become embittered to it, and the world corrupts us, and we begin to say, oh, do you see that guy out there with... But you don't know anything about that story. Shared this with our small group last Sunday, because it's, like I said, it's something that, that I've had to work through, because I believe there are people that scammed. I've seen people that come up to me for the second or third time, and, okay, it's been a month now, and you still don't have gas, and you're... I'm not sure you're still after gas. I think you're just after money. <laughs> but I also... I'm honest enough to admit there's times where I pull past that person with their sign and I say, it doesn't look like you're doing so bad in your Columbia jacket, your iPod, and your new shoes. But it's very judgmental to realize I don't know where they got that. And it's not even my job to worry about where they got that. My job is, do I see a person in need? 
And can I do something about it that time? Did I see them for a reason? Or am I going to just look past them and they just become part of the scenery? I choose to look at each case as it comes. As a pastor, I hear many, 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 many stories of people. Many people trying to scam, many people trying to get money, and, and it can wear you down and make you just say, we're not doing anything for anybody. But that's not what God has called us to do. We have to refuse to let the world corrupt us. And we don't do it because somebody's watching. We don't do it because we might make it on Facebook. We don't do it because the kids in the van pressure us. We do it because Jesus Christ has called us to be people of compassion that look after the people he's placed around us. It's a value system. It's not a plan. It's not some revolutionary thought. It's a plan that he's put inside of us that we should have compassion. I have a colleague that works at a church, and he is, I mean, you think I'm sarcastic and at times cynical. This, this man, I wonder at times, how can you still be in the ministry? And then a, minis- a missionary will come and play a video of orphans overseas. And that man sits on the front row and weeps. <laughs> and his heart's not fully gone. <laughs> but I don't know what it is that moves on you. I don't know what you see or where you come from. But a, a, about a month ago, we talked about the tension between grace and truth. And I'm telling you, this is another tension point of doing nothing doing something. And it's not easy, but what I'm telling you is please keep your heart open to see what God can do. What would you want God to do for you if you were in that spot? Who would you want to see you? How would you want them to treat you? Would you want them to say, since I can't help everybody, I'm not going to help you? church, let's check our hearts on this and remember what he has called us to be. Here should be our response, according to the Bible. This is the Christian response. The world's response is that we try to start legislation. (laughs) The world's response is that we need to get a bunch of people together and form a committee. The world's response is somebody needs to raise some money somehow to give to somebody somewhere to do something. The world's response is it's their own fault. They made their bed. Let them lie in it. The Christian response is about three different things. First of all, I believe we can lament, and and I know that's an old word, but the Bible uses it, when we look at our cities, when we see our broken families, when we see our broken nation, and we see the hurt and the injustice and the pain, if we're healthy, if we're really, truly spiritual people, we should weep. I don't know how to fix upwards of a million Guatemalans fleeing their country to come into our nation. I don't know how to fix that, but when I see it, it breaks my heart. I don't know how to fix families that keep trying to have children and can't, and they're broken and they're hurting, and I can't fix it, but it breaks my heart. 
I can't stop all the child abuse and child pornography and sex trafficking, but it can break my heart. And it is hard to allow your heart to be soft enough to feel all those things. It's not comfortable, but it is what God has called us to do because he wants us to have soft hearts. If you don't believe me, read Ezekiel sometime. He says, I'll remove the heart of stone from you. Think about this for just a minute. I'll remove the heart of stone from you, and I'll put in a soft heart. For many of us, he has to do heart surgery (laughs) because we're growing cold, and we're just seeing problems instead of people. We've got to see the people, not just the problems. And then anger. And, and I want to take time to explain this so that nobody misconfuses me. There's already a lot of anger in the world. <laughs> and it usually results in violence. It usually results in the wrong action or the inaction or inhumanity towards people. But I'm talking about a righteous anger that the Bible talks about that he says, in your anger, do not sin. In some phrases, he calls it righteous indignation. <laughs> So you see something and you're like, this shouldn't be. That's, that's God telling you that. And in re- having a right response to injustice and sin, not just because it's our rights that are being trampled on, but people around the world, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, their lives are being ripped to shreds. This should be something that should anger us. It should... And the reason, I'm telling you right now, the reason that we feel angry is because we do feel powerless. (laughs) Right? Most of the time we don't feel anger over things we can immediately fix. That anger comes when we feel like we're stuck. And I'm telling you, allow that anger to move you past that to action, appropriate action godly action. Thankfully, we haven't heard of this in a long time, but there was a time when there was so much anti-abortion going on, and I, I believe it's something that should be stopped. But to kill the doctors and to blow up the clinics, that's not the Christian value. That is not what God has called us to do. That is the opposite of what he would call us to do. If you value life, then you shouldn't take life to value life. But the last part is what can help us, and that's being mindful. That through all of this, God has already seen it. And he's somehow shown you. See, if we're not careful, all of our our weeping and our pain will get us stuck in that situation. And we don't know what to do. And then it becomes the wrong thing that we do. Instead of remembering that God is with us in the midst of of what we're feeling and what we're exposed to. And then we have to say, if God is with us, then then what would he have me do? What can I do in this situation? When I see somebody at my school being bullied, what can I do? When I see dishonesty happening, when I see the oppressed, when I see these actions, what can I do? It's too easy to say somebody somewhere has to do something. Maybe that somebody is you. And it doesn't mean it'll get fixed because our goal isn't for it all to get fixed. Our goal is for us to do something like Jesus did. 
and I don't want this to sound heretical this morning or that I don't have faith, but let's be honest. Jesus came into this world to save the, the lost, right? Jesus came into this world to conquer sin, right? Is there still sin out there? Is there still brokenness out there? Is there still need for healing out there? It's not that he left it so much undone as he handed it over to you and I as his church, as his called out ones, as his sent people. And to sit idly by is what he was always accusing the religious people of the day of. You see these needs and yet you do nothing. I don't want you to hear that from him. I want you to be moved this morning not to start a Facebook page or a Twitter feed, but to begin to ask yourself, have I allowed the world to corrupt me? My, my views, my, my thoughts? And can I be mindful that God is with me? And what would he want me to do about this? Maybe, maybe what you just need to start doing is decide to pray. Lord, if I see that person again tomorrow, I'm going to stop and I'm going to. And as a good pastor, I'm going to give you some guidelines here that has, has nothing to do with faith, but it just has to do with being practical. We have to be moved by what we see, but don't allow emotions to make you feel guilty to do the wrong thing or the unwise thing. Okay? I'm not suggesting you grab that person into your car, take them home, and begin to house them. That would probably not be the wise and safe thing to do. I'm not saying to empty your bank account and buy a house for that person and try to move them in. I'm not saying that that is the wise thing to do. But can we show them human kindness? Maybe. This is even, this is the harder part. I'm, I'm trying to put you on the spot, so, so don't think I'm trying to take it easy. I'm trying to put you on the spot right here. Sometimes it's too easy to roll down the window and hand them something than to pull into the parking lot and get out and talk to them. And you didn't give them anything except humanity. You saw them as a person. Hey, I saw you standing there, and I don't really know that I can help. You don't have to apologize, but what's your name? Terry? It's good to meet you, Terry. I'm Tony. You mind if I just pray for you? Now, that's hard. <laughs> it's easier to fish out 20. <laughs> It's easier to buy a meal. It's easier to say, God bless them today, and I hope it doesn't rain too much on them. But that's where I leave it in your hands, just to ask that God soften our hearts this morning. Because there is so much going on in the world that we begin to pull back, and pretty soon we'll stop caring about anything except for us. And I don't want that to happen to you, and I don't want it to happen to us. God has placed us here in this town to be a source for good and a source of light. God has placed us in this town to make a difference in this community for the good, not to be the people that sit in here in our sheltered little areas and then we go about our business. It's our job to act on good. Would you stand up with me this morning as we get ready to pray?